Let's take our seats, Mark 16, 15 to 20 from the NIV version. Today we're going to be exploring the topic of? The topic of? Okay, very, very, very interesting topic. Um, one is, the, this is the first time that I'm actually uh, teaching on this. Um, and for the members, um, I would like to speak to every member of this church afterwards. So if you're not a member of the church, if you could please politely uh, just wait for us out at the back, um, and I will speak to just the members only. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right, Mark 16, are we all there? Are we there? Guys, I need you to speak to me. Are we all there? Okay, Mark 16, 15 to 20. The Bible says, he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Gideon, if you can help me out, please. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now this morning, uh, uh, I want you, or this afternoon, I actually want you to give me some time to teach the word of God. Yeah, to teach the word. Is that okay? Uh, and I believe that it's no coincidence uh, that God will permit for such a topic uh, to be expanded on at such a time like this. This is the first time for us, like I said, exploring uh, this topic as a church. Uh, and I firmly believe that, number one, there will be signs that will accompany the release of this word to all who believe. Number two, there will be a release of gifts today to all who desire for it. Amen. And then number three, I believe that has come at a critical hour where we have to be reminded about the power and the mandate of prayer. So I need you to follow me very closely. If you haven't slept much, if, even if you have to stand to make sure that you don't fall asleep, do it. Is that Okay. I need you to understand this. Yeah? Yes, the Bible says, men always ought to pray and not to lose heart or not to faint. Meaning that as believers, there is a mandate that has been placed upon us that, that literally says that there must be a public display. Let there be a public shout. Let there be a public confession of your intimate and private relationship with God. Yeah, and I want you to allow me to teach this today. Uh, and please understand that there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Yeah? Preaching literally means to proclaim. It's often a job of a herald. Yeah? Who, who's, who's sent out to actually communicate or to announce news to people. Whereas teaching directly deals with unanswered questions. Teaching deals with the desire for knowledge. Teaching unlocks mysteries. Teaching explains themes or topics about the gospel that people may not directly understand. And through that, it actually enables them to be able to live in accordance to that knowledge. But both avenues are needed. Amen? Amen. Both avenues are needed and both come with the aim of transferring you from the place of darkness into a place of light, from a place of ignorance or a lack of knowledge into the fullness and the understanding of it. You know what's so interesting, Reverend Ray? Is that the concept of preaching or the announcement of news was actually intended to an audience that had never heard it before. In other words, we preach to the, to the unsaved and we teach the saved. We preach to the unsaved and we teach the saved. 
He said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Meaning that you are now mandated to preach the gospel to the world. Meaning that the mandate to preach always had an audience. And that audience wasn't originally the church. The actual audience for a good preach was the world. Follow me. So preaching isn't your pastor's job. Preaching is yours. Michael, help me. Preaching isn't actually the job of the pulpit. Preaching is the job of the one who lives. Preaching is your lifestyle. And I command every spirit, I command every deceiving lie that has told you that it's okay for you to be lazy. That it's okay for you to sleep on assignment. It's okay for you to to, to say that I can't read my scripture because I haven't been. You know there are people who only study the word when they've been called to do something. But you have to understand that those who actually understand what I'm about to speak of right now are people who are ready for assignment. Am I in a room with people who are ready for assignment? Yes, sir. Huh? Am I in a room with people who are ready to receive assignment? Yes, sir. Well, let me give you your assignment. Your assignment is to preach. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a long, long afternoon. Long are the days where equipping or the mandate of equipping bypasses the congregation. That the same level of consecration that you need to stand on a pulpit is the same level of consecration that you actually need to live. You know what? Actually, scratch that. Do do you actually realize that you preach a sermon every single day? You actually preach a word every single day. Everything that you do communicates a message. And I don't just read the word when I'm called to preach. I don't just read the word when I'm called to teach. No, I read the word because tomorrow someone at work is going to need a message. (laughs) And what message do I preach to them? What message do I preach to these people because I cannot be found lacking? What we have done as a church is that we have mistaken the, the, the mandate of preaching to just speaking to people who are ready to listen to us. And we've actually forfeited. You actually, you actually have to understand that the essence of mission or the essence of preaching is not just speech. It's not just about speech. The world is waiting for a message. And my question to you is, what are you communicating? The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. The word became flesh, my goodness. Even that statement alone is a mystery. The word became flesh because for the word to be received, they had to be made evident. It couldn't hide in the shadows any longer. You can't receive what hasn't been revealed yet. And it had to be made tangible. What am I saying? When you receive the word through teaching, it must be evidenced through your life through preaching. In other words, I'm called to disciple the disciples who are then called to disciple the world. Are you, are you listening to me? When Jesus gave the instruction to go into the world, he wasn't talking about your leaders. There was no mention there for the fivefold officers. He was talking about all believers, you. Go into the world. He was talking about you. Tell your neighbor he was talking about you. Huh? Tell them, he was talking about you. Go out there and preach the gospel. What does it mean to preach? It means to make a public proclamation of what you know. And this means that the avenue isn't just limited to speaking. I'm going somewhere. Because you preach with your words. You preach with your lifestyle. You preach with your management skills at work. You preach in your relationships. You preach with your timekeeping. You're not trying to hear me. No, no, Joshua, you lot preach with your drip. No, it's a message. 
You preach of your giftings, you preach of your character. Why? Because whatever you do, whatever task may have been given onto you, whatever work has been commissioned to you, whatever you have, put your very best effort in it. Why? Because you do it unto God, not unto men. You are living epistles. Do you, are you understanding what I'm saying? That by reason of you being called a living epistle, it means that everything that you do is a preach. It's a sermon in itself. So now I must begin to look at all of you and say, how ready are you for tomorrow? That if I was to say, Grace, you're preaching tomorrow, I guarantee you, you probably won't sleep tonight because you will be in the word, right? But do you not understand that the moment you leave your house, the message is already being preached? So why do we now wait for men to give us assignment when God has already given us an assignment? When God, before the foundation of the world was laid, he began to give men assignment. And the assignment was, preach me. Know me and talk about me. It's very easy to talk about Joshua because I walk with Joshua. It's very easy to talk about Pastor Jen. If anybody asks me, speak about AD, I will describe AD because I know AD. If I ask you, talk about Jesus, can you speak about him? Can you? Can you? What can you tell me about the one that you say you love? What can you tell me about a person that you say you are in relationship with? Do you not understand that you can't be in a physical relationship with someone who you call your boyfriend or your husband or your wife or your girlfriend and when everyone is asking you about, tell me about your wife. Um, you know, I have to grow in some understanding about my wife, you know. No, because that's what we do. We find ourselves using silly excuses to rid ourselves of communion with God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a living epistle. Gideon, there's feedback on this one. You are a living epistle. This means that an encounter with you should be an encounter with scripture. That an encounter with you should be an encounter with the person of Jesus. Because it is not I who live. But it's Christ who lives in the inside of me. So the world may not always, Iman, need to read the Bible to first believe. Because all they need to do be placed in the same environment as me. <laughs> let me be the doorway. Let me be that very essence of, let me be that person who Jesus placed in a defining moment. I could be, you have to understand. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are a Kairos moment for someone. Oh God, you're not hearing me. Are you guys here today? That the defining moment for someone's destiny could be just associating themselves to you. That everything has been lived up, trauma, hurt, experiences has come to the point where now they meet you, Mariam, and you have nothing to say. Because the disciple says, Jesus, there's nothing else that I have. No, it's in the book of Acts. When the man asked him, he says, there's nothing else I have, but what I have, I will give to you. I give you Christ. That, you know what? I've learned a lot whilst walking with this man, Jesus. But that's all secondary to the person himself. That that's all I can give you. Are you following me? So whatever you find yourself doing, do it as unto God and not as unto men. And we've heard the instruction to read your Bible every day. Stay in the word. And people thought consistency of that was only useful for the pulpit. Let me tell you something. You must stay in the word because you are going to communicate something when you step out of your house. And the mystery of the word becoming flesh is that you may not necessarily preach exactly what you've learned in the Bible. You may not say the word Nehemiah. You may not say blind Bartimaeus. You may not say Zacchaeus. You may not say all of these names that we know biblically, but it will be revealed and exposed in everything you do. Why? Because the word deals with your government. Oh, are you following me? Out of 
your heart, where all the issues of life, all your actions literally come from the very thing that your government has submitted itself to. So as you read the scriptures and you take in the scriptures, all your actions is as a result of what you've learned about blind men. Huh? That what you've read about Paul in 1 Corinthians, we're going to go there, is now revealed in the fact that you now smile at your neighbor. So the gift of God is love, joy, peace, patience. And you learn patience, so you do patience. That's the sermon. And some of us don't realize that the world isn't waiting for a sermon. The world is waiting for a whole series. (laughs) My goodness. So today, allow me to teach. And then you must go out and preach. Everyone say preach. Mark 16, 15 to 20. Please follow me. Everyone, please pay attention. Are we here? Yes, sir. And these signs will accompany those who believe. I'm going to verse 17. In my name, they will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. Like I said, I'm going to go into part two of this because this thing is layered. Today, we discuss the topic of tongues, right? A huge topic within the body. Uh, A huge, huge topic. Uh, And Holy Spirit, help me speak um, about this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, It's important to understand the first part of this. It says that, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Michael, these signs, that means that tongues, yeah, Michael, it's fine. That means that tongues are a sign, first of all. Yeah? Tongues are a sign, first of all. The word sign literally means a mark that distinguishes something from another thing. If you're writing notes, now is the time to begin. The word sign literally means a mark that distinguishes something from another thing. If you want me to slow down, let me know. It is something that's unusual and remarkable. A sign is something that's That's actually set to communicate a message, Alex. I'll say that again. A sign literally means a mark that distinguishes something from another thing. It's something that's unusual and remarkable. It's something that is set up to communicate a message. It is something that is done to indicate the presence or awareness of something else. Now, I want to repeat this part. A sign usually conveys a message. So for an example, a sign of affection could be holding your hands whilst walking down the high street. Where are my PDA lovers in this room? Oh, uh you see? Some people are brave with it. Where are the PDA lovers? Okay, so it's not many of you. So for some of you, people holding your hand or your, your partner holding your hand communicates a message of affection. That's a sign of affection. So by me holding your hand as I walk down the street and waving it and doing the little smile, sometimes a little peck on the forehead or a little peck on the... Sometimes all those little things, that's just signs of affection. Are you following me? But you know sometimes human beings are very weird, Morgan. They're very weird, you know. Some people become Hulk when they like you. All heavy-handed, punching up, man. It's like they like you, so suddenly your shoulders. It's like, ha, ha, ha. All punching up, you're just like, oh. That one was a bit. The worst people are the people who cuss you when they like you. Or they insult you. They be like, oh, no, no, I only do this to the people I like. And inside you're just like, (laughs) Holy Spirit, activate. (laughs) They say outlandish things because they're now comfortable. All these things are signs that communicates a message of affection 
a message of comfort, a message of friendship. Remember this, so tongues are first a sign to communicate a wider meaning. What is that wider meaning? One of the things that's very, very interesting about that verse is that the Bible says, these signs will accompany those who believe. Meaning that one of the signs that will communicate the wider message that you are one of those in the kingdom is that you may speak in new tongues. Now, I want to make this very clear just because some teachers, some preachers, all of that stuff, some churches believe that if you don't pray in tongues, it means you're not saved. That's not, that's not biblical. I want to make it very clear that just because you believe doesn't mean that you must pray in tongues. Yeah, the Bible says, I want you to take me to 1 Corinthians 12. From verse 4 to 11, let me know when you're there. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. The Bible literally says that there are different kind of tongues, no, different kind of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kind of service, but the same Lord. Different kind of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. These are three things at play. One is the function of the spirit. So if you go back to verse four, different kind of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. That's the function, number one, of the spirit for your notes. And the role or the function of the spirit is to distribute things that are given for the common good and given to all people. To distribute things that are given for the common good and given to all people. So number one is the Spirit of God gives gifts unto people as a sign to communicate the greater message who is Christ. This means that everything that you do must point back to the person of Jesus. The Bible says in John 17, 13 to 14, it says that, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only of what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Christ. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. So the work of the spirit is not always to bring attention and glory back to you. Just because you've received the gift doesn't mean that you must now glory in it. No, because the gifts that have been given to men are to bring glory to Jesus. Because everything that the Spirit of God does and everything that he carries is involved in carrying the reputation of God. So the Spirit gives gifts that enables you and I to look like Christ. But he also gives us the grace to be able to live like Christ. That's why you have people who have gifts and are rubbish, poor, ugly character. Because the gifts doesn't mean that you walk in godly character. It just means you have a gift. Are you following me? So the spirit gives gifts that enables you to move like Christ. But the grace of God enables you to actually live like Christ. So the gifts of the spirit, including tongues, are... Signs of a greater message. Jesus used the sign of miracles as an advert to teach people about the kingdom. Are you following me? So number two. There are different kind of service, but the same Lord. Number two is the function of the Lord. And the Bible clearly tells us that it's for the sake of service. When we say Lord, we're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And what did he do? He divided himself onto people. Understand that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of purpose. So he gave himself purpose in accordance to the gifts that the spirit of God has given to believers. Are you following me? So it's not enough to just have the gift. You have to identify the purpose behind the gift that you've been given. So the spirit of God gives gifts. Gives the grace to be able to walk in your gift. And then the person of Jesus Christ gives you purpose as to why the gift was now given to you. Are you following me? So the culture of the kingdom states that if you've been given a gift, 
This must be given back in service. So Jesus Christ says, the greatest amongst you must be the servant. Are you following me? There's another principle that's at work, and that's the the principle of giving and receiving. So as I have received, I must now give, Tophimi. And Jesus gave himself to people, purpose to people. And these purposes were divided and gave people the call to serve. We know this because the call to serve primarily is within Ephesians, which is the five forms of leadership. These are Christ's gifts to the church. And the purpose of this is to, number one, equip his people. Two, do the work of ministry. And three, build the body of Christ. And if we do this very well, the Bible literally says that we will reach the unity in the faith and attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Where is that, where is that revealed in? Ephesians 4, 11, 13. The Bible says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this was Christ's gifts to the church. That out of the gifts given by the Spirit of God, I am now as Christ, as purpose, I'm going to attach me, purpose, in order for you not to be selfish and proud. That gift could easily make people believe that they're greater than what they ought to be. So let me remind them by attaching me to these gifts that you have to remain low and humble. So the greatest among you must begin to serve. Don't use your gifts to lord over others. Don't use your gifts as a display of your capacity because your gifts were given to you. You didn't earn them. Your gifts were primarily given for the glory of God, not for the glory of men. So your gifts carry the reputation of God. That's why for many people, and we've seen this within church, unfortunately, that when people have misused their gifts, people have often blamed God for the mistakes of men. Why? Because it's the reputation of God that's at stake. And within our gifts, we must use that to lift up the name of Jesus and not any other name. Number three, the function of the Lord. There are different kind of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. This is everything in one. Another word for working is actually operations. <laughs> so the entire structure is run by the Father, who actually authorizes these gifts, authorizes these works of service in order that you may live accordance to his will. The entire thing is run by the Father. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, uh, verse 12 verse 7 actually let's go to verse 7 the bible says now to each one the manifestation of the gift is given for the common good i'm bringing all of these scriptures because i really want to lay foundation for you to understand this thing amen Amen. first corinthians 12 verse 7 the bible says now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good now when you want to break down scripture you have to identify certain words and break them down so the first word is the word manifestation the manifestation of the spirit manifestation simply means an expression or to make visible but what it actually means as well which is very interesting raymond is that is to make visible what has been hidden or unknown So by receiving the gifts of God, you have been mandated to express this as a sign unto others. You are to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom through your gift. That what was once a mystery and hidden to an unbeliever may now be revealed openly so that we may live it out. So the manifestation is given for the common good. What does that mean for the common good? That word is very, very interesting. I love it because it literally means to bring together. (laughs) It means to carry a burden. It's a sign of union, not just with God, but union with people. Do you understand 
the mystery behind the gifts of the spirit is that by walking in your gift, you are actually targeting darkness inside of another and pulling out, pulling them out into light. Are you listening to me? That by me walking in the gifts that God has given me, others have been moved from a place of unbelief to a place of belief. By me walking in the gifts that God has for me, others have been moved from confusion to clarity. By you walking in your gifts, others know God. By you walking in your gifts, others know that they are cared for and they're not alone. By you walking in your gifts, others know that God exists. Do I need to carry on? So the manifestation of the gift of God is open and is given for the common good. It is given to bring us together, not to separate us. So any gift that you've been given, if it leads you away, you have, you have to work on your own foundation. No gift is given for separation. Are you, are you, are you hearing me? There is nothing the Holy Spirit will give you that will lead you away from people because the primary purpose of every gift is service. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Romans 12, verse 3. We're getting, we're getting into it. Are you getting warmed up? Yes, yeah? Romans 12, verse 3. The Bible says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Because of what God has distributed to every single one of us, we must remain humble. If you go down to verse 6, Romans 12, 6. Because people, a lot of the times, even myself at the beginning, I used to think that when we talk gifts, we're talking about some of these exaggerated stuff. Until you read Romans 12, sometimes we just focus on the, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The chapter doesn't end there. Look what it says. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Go on. If it's serving, then serve. Huh? Some of you have a gift of service. But why do we frown on that? Why, why do we frown when God has specifically given you the gift to serve other people? Huh? That the same grace and the same gift that has been given to serve is still the same level of the gift of prophecy. Huh? Are you listening to me? It's, 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 it's critical for you to understand because some of us diminish our own gifts simply because we're mirroring and we're looking at other people. So when I know that my job is just to serve, I do it and I do it willingly. Not looking at AD because she prophesies. Because as I serve other people, you, you have to understand, do you know how many people have stayed in church? Not because of prophecy, but because of the welcome they received. That we can do all the hiccup, all of that over here. But if someone is not spoken to at the end of service today, they may not come back. So if it's serving, then serve. But if it's teaching, then teach. Go on. If it's to encourage. Some of us frown on the fact that people come to us and we have to be the one that encourages them. Do you not understand that that's a gift? That's a gift like prophetic gifting. The thing that we've exalted so much. We don't understand that service is a gift as well. We don't understand that encouragement is a gift. So please, if you're somebody who's a great encourager, my friend, please continue. We need you. <laughs> if it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving. If it's giving. Giving small doses. Huh? <laughs> oh, but that one we don't want to scream, right? We don't want to scream. Give what? <laughs> if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy. Huh? Some of you have gifts of mercy. Mm. Okay. Okay. Are you, are you following me? Mm-hmm. 
Do you know what's so mad, yeah? Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know what's so mad? Is that the more I think about it, in the same, it's not that, it's, please don't mishear what I'm about to say. But could it be, let me pose as a question, that's safe, thank you. Could it be that the same way in which the one with the prophetic gift hears and sees things and it comes, could it be that the one who's supposed to show mercy is the one who's probably targeted a lot and their gift needs to be exposed a lot more? Could it be? Could it be that if you have the gift of mercy and you've realized that everyone has probably used and abused you, maybe that's to trigger the gift inside of you? Could it be? If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The gifts of God are diverse. The most important thing is that you must do it cheerfully. Do it without complaining. The prophets, if you miss a word, okay, that's fine. If you're serving, that's okay. If you're giving, that's okay. You do it cheerfully because I don't do it externally. I don't do it for external applause. Hmm? I'd rather be applauded in heaven than be applauded by men. So these gifts have been given to reconcile the world back to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So do unto others as it has been done to you. So as you have been transformed and transmitted from darkness into light, you have now been mandated through your preaching to do likewise. To transform the lives of those around you. And this is what we call the ministry of reconciliation. All of you have been called into the ministry of reconciliation. That's, that's your office, by the way. Stop looking at the pulpit. Everyone has been given the ministry of reconciliation, but also the ministry of transformation. Note this down. Number one, the gift given to you isn't to popularize you, but to populate the kingdom. Number two, signs must be an avenue to communicate the gospel. Okay, let me go number one. Morgan said to you again. Number one, the gift isn't to popularize you, but to populate the kingdom. Number two, signs must be an avenue to communicate the gospel. Number three, you have to understand that miracles are also a sign. Yeah, number three is the Holy Spirit speaks not of himself, but proclaims the mission Proclaims the mystery, proclaims the ministry. Okay, so proclaims the mission. So mission is first. Mystery is second. Ministry, third. And the person of Jesus. And everything that has been given to you is for you to do the same. The Holy Spirit speaks not of himself. When, when you finish that sentence, oh, you see, these people are amazing. The Holy Spirit speaks not of himself, but he proclaims the mission, which we can't go into, which is Missio Dei, the mission of God. What is the mission of God? Proclaims the mission, the mystery, because for everybody who was, is here right now, it's literally because the Holy Spirit, not, anyway. The mystery, the ministry, and the person of Jesus Christ. And we must do the same. Why? Because when you go back to that statement, remove Holy Spirit and put your name there. So, Iman, don't speak of yourself. But you must proclaim the mission, <laughs> the mystery, the ministry, and the person of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you. Now, let's get into tongues. I'm going to expand on this next week because this, this is just part one, right? Next week, we're going to really like chop it up because my page of my notes are 17 pages. 
No, I'm not kidding. Yeah, 17 whole pages. And I, I would like to preach it all today, but we're not trying to have a six-hour service. Hallelujah. Before you people will be like that, that guy who was listening to Paul preach, and he dropped, he dropped from the top. But yeah, revival. People, people use that for revival. The man dropped and died. <laughs> but they use it for revival because when he died, all they did was that they went to surround him, prayed for him, he woke up, and he went back upstairs to go and listen to the word again. Uh, hunger. Hunger. Everyone say Shando. I know you people love that one. <laughs> right, so the purpose of tongues, number one, please write this down. Are you all with me, yeah? The purpose of tongues, number one, is for personal edification and communion with God. Please note the word personal edification. In communion with God. Number two, it's for edification and the building up of the community of God. I'm going to go more into this next week, but I just want to touch on this just so you're all reminded. And then number three is that it's a sign to unbelievers. It's a sign unto unbelievers. I'll take it afterwards. Yeah? Number one, personal edification and communion with God. Number two, edification and the building up of the community of God. And number three is that it's a sign to unbelievers. That in itself is quite heavy that we're going to expand on next week properly. properly because that one in itself is a whole message in itself because that's that's what I really had to because that deals with the diversities of tongues we're going to get there don't worry now these particular signs aren't given to all believers because the bible says first corinthians 12 let's go to 7 to 11 I want you to track with me follow me the bible says now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. We've read that. To one that is given through the message or the spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. Keep going. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between different spirits. The church needs that right now. To another, speaking in different kinds of... Keep going. And to still another, the what? Number 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one. What did he say? What does it say at the end? Just as he determines. These are the diversities of gifts that have been given to people. But note, it is the Holy Spirit who decides what he wants to give to all people. That means that the Holy Spirit, when we get to heaven, new earth, whichever one it is, we can ask the Holy Spirit ourselves and say, why did you not give it to everybody? But the, that's not been answered here. That's in glory we'll ask these questions and discover all of that stuff. But it says that just as he determines. And he gives one as he determines to another. So he can give one person a tongue and another person the gift of faith. And another person, the gift of service. Another person, the gift of tongues, though. But another person, the gift of prophecy. And he does all of these things as he determines. He makes the decision. So not all people, should all, not all people will receive it, but all people should desire it. Hmm? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1.
14 verse 1, the Bible says, <clears throat> follow the way of love and eagerly design, desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. So desire is the beginning of any significant thing. Desire is a form of hunger. And if we give ourselves the sincere hunger, we can receive gifts. I realized, and the Holy Spirit said to me today, which was so beautiful, he says that to desire is actually good spiritual well-being. Because a desire is a form of hunger, and hunger is a proof of health. Because it's only people who live that are hungry. A dead person. So when someone is sick, one of the few initial signs that their body has been compromised is that they lose their appetite. That there is a, when there is a loss of spiritual appetite for you, this must give you the sign, the indication of a greater message that your soul needs attention. In the same way, never lose your desire, never lose your wonder, never lose your belief. What you desire for, keep desiring for you may be filled. Now, one thing that we have to also deal with is that there is more than one way of praying. There is a way in which you pray with your understanding and there's a way in which you pray with the spirit where your mind is unfruitful. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. The Bible says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I believe personally, this is me, I believe by the studying of this, that one of the ways in which we have quenched revelation and digging into the mysteries that's, that's in the revealed word is that we've lost our desire for some of these gifts. We've been so caught up as people to understand everything. Caught up in the mindset that everything must be within our own comprehension. That we leave little to no room for the spirit of God to speak through us. That's very good. Now this doesn't give us the right to misuse or abuse the gifts that God has given to us. And the thing is that Corinthian church was actually a painful lesson. That a poor stewardship of your gifts can mislead others out of purpose and destiny. That where there is no unity and love for one another, Michael, there will be abuse. Remember that a manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation is the expression of the kingdom and the purpose is to bring people together, to carry a burden. It's a sign of union, not just with God, but a sign of union unto people. And the Corinthian church lacked this understanding. I'm taking you through the context of why Paul was writing this. Because many people take some of the things that he says and form their own understanding from this. They lack this understanding and it brought total disorder within the church. That's why Paul started off by addressing love. Because you have to understand that a lack of love is a lack of order. God is love. God is order. Am I speaking to someone? That if there is total disorder, then God isn't in it because God is a God of Order. My Bible tells me that God is love. My Bible tells me that God is order. So love is order. <laughs> so it makes sense that when Paul was called to address the disorder within the church, he first started off by addressing the lack of love between the congregation members. And this lack of love was revealed through the disrespect and the dishonor that they showed one another. So what was happening? And it, it, I'm telling you, AD, it was, it's very beautiful when you read about the context of the, of the Corinthian church. And I even understand better, and I'm going to read on it, as to why he even addressed the role of women early on. And it makes sense. But when you don't understand the context as to why someone is writing something, you can always misunderstand what they're saying. So whilst meetings would be happening, what was happening in the Corinthian church is that a few of them, in the name of their gifting, will just stand up and start speaking in tongues to the whole congregation. So it's like me speaking right now. Yolanda gets up. 
And it was bringing about so much disorder within the congregation that Paul literally says, if anybody was to walk in and hear someone speaking in tongues to the public, how would they understand it? One thing as well, and I'm going to deal with this next week, you have to understand the, 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 the distinct... Holy Spirit, give me English. You have, to, you have to understand the difference between praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. Huh? Okay, we will get to that next week. He says that if, every, if someone was to walk in and heard someone speaking in tongues to the public... How would they understand it? It is better for you that if you're actually going to do that, do it in order. Yolanda, I'm sorry I'm using it as an example. But if you want to get up and do that, get someone who actually has the gift of interpretation, Esther, to interpret what has been spoken so that people will actually understand. Because if you say it and there is no one to interpret what you're saying, People will be left confused, not just unbelievers, even believers. Yeah, I'll be back as well. <laughs> First Corinthians 12, verse 10. There are various kinds of tongues. Various, not just one tongue. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, the Bible says, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to, a, to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kind of tongues. We're going to get, there's a reason why I've skipped what I was about to say, because I, I was nearly tempted to get into one of them. But we'll deal with that next week. I keep saying next week. Guys, I'm telling you, be here next week. Hallelujah. One of the different kind of tongues is, number one, unknown tongues. Unknown tongues. This is in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. The Bible says, Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. The unknown tongue, the primary purpose which is what most of us have, is actually for the purpose of the edification of yourself as a person. Edifying literally means to build up. Note this and pay attention. It's interesting, FYI. It means to build up, to rebuild, to restore, to repair, to establish. I want to say this again. The word edify over there, edifies themselves. It means to build up, to rebuild. Interesting. To restore, to repair, and to establish. So this is what you do to your soul when you pray in tongues. It's one way to connect your soul to the demands of the spirit. Because as you pray in the spirit, your soul is being restored back to the order of Christ. Because remember that your soul houses your mind. Where you have your thoughts, your soul houses your emotions, your will. And now the question is, how is your soul being restored for you to have the mind of Christ? The Bible says that when you pray in tongues, your own mind is now unfruitful. So your mind is, and now the spirit of God is at work. It's unfruitful so the spirit of God can get to work to enable you to live the mind of Christ. Because in your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. But your soul enables you to live the mind of God. So unknown tongues edifies the person who speaks it primarily. And how you translate it to edify the church is to, ha is to have someone who has the gift of the tongue of interpretation. Another point about unknown tongues is that no one understands them. It's direct communication with God. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. Is, is it cold in here? It is, isn't it? Okay, please, Paul, let's deal with that. Yeah. 
The Bible says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Let me, let me, let me make this uh, very, very, because this is something that I really have battled with within myself and I've, I've had to learn it. The thing is, when we pray in tongues in service, we're not praying to people, we're praying to God. In the same way when we're singing, we're singing not to people, we're singing to, so it's still order. Are you following me? Because we're not speaking it to the hearing of another person. We're speaking it to edify ourselves. But as I'm praying out loud, I am being sharpened because I know that my neighbor is also edifying themselves. It's just a mystery of union. So we're now in this room and we now begin to pray, not unto ourselves, because I don't look at you and say, Kaya, Su, Re, Paya, Du, No, because I'm speaking to God primarily. So as I'm praying right now, I begin to now begin to travail to God because I'm speaking primarily to God. It's conversations that I'm speaking mysteries to God and not to people. So in the congregational setting within church, yes, pray in tongues. It's direct conversations with God. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, it says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them because they utter mysteries by the Spirit. The Bible calls them mysteries by the Spirit. And this is important because they are first initiated by the Holy Spirit because he gives the gifts. Please let me say this and say this again. Stay away from people who want to teach you how to pray in tongues. Run. Run. I've been in meetings. If you want to learn how to pray in tongues, come to me. Run away from these people. Stay away from the people who desire to teach you because it is not them it's the spirit of God. But it doesn't mean that you literally can't go among the company of people who pray in tongues and pray also. Because in the same way that a prophet went amongst the prophets and began to prophesy, is that by the same spirit that's at work, by reason of my desire, it gives me entrance. It gives me exposure to be able to do just what is being done in that room. Is everyone desiring for God today? Is everyone desiring for God today? I told you, the last 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes, some of you have, have tongues, that's cool. We're going to talk about some of the other, but I, I, I want tongues of, I want, I want the gifts of service. I want the gifts of mercy. Yeah, because I'll punch a man up. Yeah. No, because sometimes it gets to that, right? No, it's true. Because just because I'm saved, if you go and for my mom, oh, that, that one is, you know, we can back it up with scripture. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Have a laugh, guys. Have a laugh. <laughs> oh, God, before I get put on church milk. But when you desire it, the Holy Spirit will enable you to have it. But the power of tongues is such that it edifies and fortifies you as a person, but it also unveils the mysteries of the kingdom to you, Pastor Joy. And the same person who's going through all of this, the, the person whose uh, letter has caused so much of the controversy around this, actually says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, Let's open it. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. And, and for me, I find, it, I find it very beautiful, the fact that he says that. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I thank God, me, you cannot out-tongue me. <laughs> if you say li kappa, I can do kappa to kappa. <laughs> I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. 
Now, you have to understand the person who is speaking. The person who's speaking actually uncovered so many mysteries that he wasn't allowed to speak about some of them. Realms and realms going up into, when they say levels of heaven. Ah, even we can't get onto the roof. The man who's literally encountering all of these things that he cannot even speak of these things. One of the things that he says with confidence, I thank God I speak in tongues more than everyone in this place. You have to remember, he's talking to a whole church, you know. This is energy. Now, there are different varieties of tongues. I'm warming you up. Next week, we're going to get into this. Different varieties of tongues. And I've spoken a little about unknown tongues. That's how we're going to start next week. But there's also, number two, the tongue of interpretation. Not translation. Okay, you'll get it next week. Number three, the tongue of angels. Hebrews, no, 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 neat. Stop now. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. The tongue of angels. Paul literally says that if I speak in a tongue of men or of angels, but the thing is, is that some people think that angels have their own tongues. Let, okay, I will go there. Um, what is the communication of the level of angels? When they say the tongue of angels, you have to now ask yourself, what's the function of angels? Right. Hebrews 1.14, the Bible says that are not all angels ministering spirits that are sent to serve those who inherit salvation. So the tongue of angels is the tongue of service. Okay, let's go to number four. We're going into groanings. Oh, we've, we've sometimes left this for the Pentecostal movement. Yeah, all of that. Um, I remember we, in the mission house, we used to laugh when we used to hear this stuff. Until I got arrested by it myself. <laughs> Until I heard Efwa got arrested it by, by herself. Groanings. Romans 8, 26, the Bible says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless. <clears throat> through wordless groans. We'll go into it. And then the one that we're going to literally <laughs> tackle is the last one, number five, known tongues. There is unknown tongues, and then there is known tongues, which some call the tongue of languages. Now, what you see in Acts is not the tongue in the Corinthian church. It's not. The tongues that was revealed in Acts was for the purpose of mission. The tongues that was being displayed in Corinthians was for the purpose of edification. Yeah. It's different. But it begs the question. <laughs> Michael, help me. Was the miracle at Pentecost one of speaking or of hearing? Was the miracle at Pentecost, was, it, was the miracle them speaking in tongues for the first time or that unbelievers understood it? Join me next week. We're going to go into part two. Everyone lift up. Come up, come up, come up, come up, come up. You have to understand, I'm telling you, it's a sign unto unbelievers, but we've missed it. We've missed it. It was unbelievers that were interpreting what was being said. So you begin to understand that it's the same spirit that gave us capacity and ability that will now begin to distribute it as he pleases. If he wants to do it in a room today, I guarantee you he will do it. If he wants to do it tomorrow, he will do it. It's not for us to ask questions. It's for us to keep desiring. 
I tell you, what happened on Pentecost was that these people forsook themselves. They just stayed patient for a promise. And by reason of paying attention to the words of Jesus in Luke 24, 49, they literally lost so much focus and awareness of themselves that they were literally praying so much that they didn't realize that what they were saying was actually being understood by people who hadn't even heard it yet. People who didn't have been, shouldn't have even understood it. Shouldn't have even understood it. I know my desire today is that yes, unknown tongues is good for the edification of me. But today God translate me to known tongues. I wanna be able to travel to China and be able to speak in tongues for the hearing of them, to speak the gospel. I want to be able to go forth into the nations and speak the gospel because you have to understand that sometimes language is a limitation. So the spirit of, oh, you're not hearing me. The spirit of God must now begin to convey the message because the Missio Dei, the mission of God, is too important for your limitations. So when I yield by desire, follow me, when I yield by desire, all the spirit of God does is that he locates a man and he says that because I have found, because I have found desire in front of him, because I have found desire in him, now I will begin to give him capacity to be able to speak, speak in diverse ways.